0: Welcome to the next episode of the Awake Asia podcast. This podcast is about crossing cultures and borders to share stories about everyday people doing extraordinary things. Each episode, we bring to you thought leaders from the region and the rest of the world to share knowledge, inspiration, and stories of triumph to help you live a fitter, healthier, more purpose-driven, conscious lifestyle. My name is Luke, and along with my wife, Emily, we are the creators of awakemethod.com. In today's episode, Emily and I are joined with Joshua and Margot. Joshua and Margot are the founders of the best deodorant in the world. That's right, you heard it. A certified, cruelty free, organic, 100% vegan, and completely safe deodorant that also has a social impact with providing clean water to people in developing nations. They are also parents to their three little children, Maddox. Olivia, and Jude, whom they've raised fully vegan. In this session, we talk about the challenges of raising vegan kids and how to overcome them. Beyond that, we also discuss toxins and why we need to be concerned about toxicity in our environment. They share tips and resources on how to move towards a cleaner and healthier home. This was an interview Emily and I did for this year's PlantFit Summit. Because the themes shared resonated with us so much, we wanted to share it on this podcast. I apologize that the audio isn't as crisp as this was part of a video interview. Beyond that, we had Jude, the two-year-old, popping in every now and then to get some cuddles from mummy. So you might hear his little voice in the background. He was so adorable. Anyway, enough of me talking, let's get straight into the episode. For parents who are on the fence about raising plant-based children or vegan children, why do you think it's important for children to be raised that way?
1: Okay, so for me, um, I just tell you, I've been vegan for eight years. And I sort of, I sort of first went vegan during my pregnancy with our first son. And um, everyone, of course, in my life was like, oh my gosh, what is she's going to kill her baby? (laughs) They didn't know what to think. So, and I, I sort of went for health reasons, but now I'm, I'm 100% ethical vegan uh, for the animals. For us, it's more about raising compassionate children than plant-based children. Do you know what I mean? So it's sort of a way of life for our family right now um, in terms of how we live, kindness. I mean, we love animals. We've always had pets. So we, our children know that you really can't really be an animal lover. and be part of torturing them as well
2: it's one of those things right like we we have our own belief system and we try not to impose that on our children as much as possible like mm-hmm. to give them as much free thought and free will as humanly possible and we we've never said you can't eat that yeah no we don't eat those things uh, we've never said that to them unless it's like candy bars um, but, like, but when it comes to other food and as a child they they internally already know yeah. that you don't eat animals so even like our oldest who's seven now maddox um so as he was getting to be like two years old um you know we, we started asking him questions hey would you would you like to eat the cow and he was just like no and it like so for all three of them it was yeah. just this amazing evolution it was like we never ever pushed it on them and it was just they just inherently new.
1: I'm glad he mentions the word cow, though, because um, everything that we use for what we know is in meat is a euphemism, right? It's all like we say meat, we say bacon, we say, uh, I don't know, what else, like ribs or something. It's really like beef. Yeah. Let's just, let's call it what it is.
0: Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So I mean, with euphemisms, it's almost like a disconnection, an intentional disconnection from what it really is. I want to go back to a little bit about your first child and raising your first um, child vegan. Did you have any challenges, um, whether with the pediatrician or with family members for that matter?
1: <laughs> We're laughing. Yeah, of course <laughs> we did. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry if I forget this. Do you guys have children? Yes. Yeah, we sure yes. do. Okay, I'd love
0: to talk more about that. So, oh, oh amazing.
1: amazing! So you know now how sort of like it's starting, right? Mm. With, with with people in your life, and of course, he's sure. too young to, to school. That's a great question, Luke. You guys, because um, uh, everywhere we go, everywhere we go, it's still a challenge. Now, of course, I find we're—I mean, we're world travelers. It really does depend on where you are in the world, but. Even though veganism is starting to become a more mainstream, the year of the vegan 2019, it's still a fringe idea in this part of the world. It's still seen as, like I met someone at Starbucks the other day, he didn't know what the word meant. And I was frankly taken aback, cause I was like, wow, I thought everybody knew because I'm in my bubble of vegan bubble. So to answer your question, our pediatrician is amazing. We We don't really see the doctor a lot because of how healthy our children are. We just don't have a reason to go. But when we do see doctors and people like that in our life, they they do question, you know, where we get our nutrients. And what's really interesting for me and Josh is when we explain, when we ask them the question, where do the animals get their nutrients, right? The animals that we eat, where do they get their nutrients? And it's a very light conversation after that. It's like we just simply go to the source, right? We simply go to the plant that our animals are eating.
2: Yeah. I hope that answers. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've been doing too lately is, it's, it's all about your circle of influence, your sphere, and like depending on where we've lived with our children, always, that sphere always changed, and life was easier or more difficult um, based on that, based on questions and having to explain things. And So one thing we started doing was uh, searching out like a vegan dentist, searching out a vegan doctor, Searching out. So we started saying, okay, well, this. Like, what if we just find someone who already understands our map of the world? Yeah. And it's like, you know, if we're saying we're going across the ocean this way, they're like, yeah, I've been there. It's amazing. I'll put it together. Um, yeah. So it's, it's made life easier. And same as you know, associating ourselves to people like you guys, right? We can have such easy, great conversations. And yeah, so it's- Like-minded it people.
1: Yeah, you really need a tribe, right? Around you.
0: Of course. And in terms of having a tribe, because I've I've experienced this myself and how do your family members take it? Because for us, um, initially was making that switch and my mom and dad are not weren't really open to it. So for parents out there who are potentially just on the whole journey of just recently turning plant based, but the rest of the family still really hasn't made that switch. Did you ever have that experience and how did you overcome it? Okay, do you want to go first on this one? Because I can talk a lot about this. Yeah, so Margot's family and my family are two
2: different things. Like, I just have my mom, and she still doesn't understand, like, what we eat. She's like, if you're not eating meat, what do you eat?
3: Yeah. Um, (laughs)
2: It's like, okay. And that's like, like, years for Margot, not as long for me. Um, But but it's funny, like, she still just doesn't get it. And it's like, if she doesn't get it at this point, then I don't think she's ever going to get it so but like on margot's side i'll let you answer your own family
1: oh yeah well we are. he's very patient with his mom and all that but for us like um for me it's be, when i first started it was just what i eat and what i want to put into my body and allowed others to be inspired by that i never even was vocal about it it was only in the last three years about it and uh frankly started started having some family members disassociate themselves from me don't um, get invited to, to like
2: christmas dinners anymore yeah well, we, we, hey.
1: we always you know i think it happened when i brought we brought our own food once to christmas to uh, um someone's house i won't say who it is, but a family member's house and they um you know they they i don't think they appreciated that so anyway we can talk a long time about this topic but you direct us because this is a very I really believe in in spreading the message lightly and being compassionate and, you know, meeting people where they're at, because you you can't really fight a battle with, with, you know, weapons or war. It's actually, for for me, it's been better from a peaceful approach.
4: So for me, a question that I always get, and I'm just starting to try and think about it, but you guys have a bit older children um what do you do for like birthday parties and that kind of stuff when they're gonna have to get out you know amongst omnivore children what what what's your rule do you say like you cannot touch any of the non-vegan food do you bring them their little cupcakes vegan cupcakes too? what do you do what's your philosophy there
1: yeah we, we we do actually but you know i have to tell you guys a little bit about our family we're a little bit unique in this part of the world i guess and We have a circle of parents who parent exactly the same way as as we do, which is more peaceful parenting, more uh, simplicity parenting. There's an amazing book called Simplicity Parenting. And once we read that, we, you guys, if you haven't read it, you know, I really highly recommend it. Parents these days think we have to fill every hour for our children with activities and birthday parties. And if they're not being social, then it's not, it's not, we're doing something wrong. Actually, it's the opposite. You know, especially if the child is a- attending a school. Our philosophy is home is the best, honestly, the best place for the child, creating that bond with the parents, um and not having to go to too many birthday parties. It's not gonna. It's not gonna prevent them from having friends in the future if they're not at birthday parties when they're five or seven years old. So our philosophy is a little bit different. Having said that, they haven't been out to that many. Uh well, But when they do go out, do you want to talk to that about that?
2: Well, it's so we've gone through the gauntlet we've gone through like and a lot of times it wasn't so much like friends birthday parties but it was like a family member's birthday party yeah. and we go but we would always prepare our own food before we would go we'd bring our own cupcakes our own cake or our own whatever
3: yeah um, to make sure they were to make sure food.
2: that they were having something we were having something we didn't say no you can't have that but we we're like here's your cake here's your cupcake um,
1: and often we brought enough for every chat. Often we made made enough and we made sure that it was delicious vegan food. So that you know that they're inspired. People are shocked. They think that we eat, you know, like rabbits Correct. or I don't know, beetloaf or something. They think that we eat food.
2: So yeah, with like I guess it depends how you raise your kids. So like we've kind of free schooled our kids up until this point yeah. so we really have we choose very carefully just like our own personal circle of influence like give us some of the five people you spend the most time with yeah. it's the same with our children so we're very very protective about who they are associated with because they're so impressionable at this age mm. um, so they've they've had very few friends but they have each other and they have us and kids they don't need friends at this stage of life that's not right. really what they're craving they're craving love and focus and attention and you know making sure that we're uh, challenging them and we're there for them as guides so so it it just depends on on your your own map of the world and how you're going to do that so if it's the map of like no no my kids are going to uh preschool and then kindergarten and then this way and they're going to be with other kids who are completely opposite to us then it's really hard it makes it harder so like the move we're about to take is for a whole bunch of reasons. Like there's no community here for us. There's no community where we can have our kids involved um, on a daily basis uh, that supports our lifestyle and our beliefs. So yeah. we're moving to Nelson, British Columbia, where there's a school um, of families who raise their kids exactly like us, nutritionally, um, gentle parenting approaches, all of yeah. these things. So our kids will be able to be around kids like that. And it's not about sheltering them. It's about at this very delicate stage of life, making sure that we're building their building blocks really strong.
1: We know it's not a parenting podcast, but you know what? It's like this stage of our children's lives is the most precious. Think about it. The the most trauma when, when adults are actually traumatized and go through some things, the most trauma happens in these early few years. So, you know, we're not sheltering them. It's quite the opposite. We're giving them that bond that they need, so they can go out into the world more confidently. It sounds counterintuitive, but if we give them that bond, a little, the more love at the beginning, less friends, they're going to be. They're going to go out in the world and be more confident. Uh, you know, their self worth will be higher. Every, and we've seen the proof because we have friends who do this too with older children. So it's, it's
0: really beautiful. Yeah. Huh. yeah, it sounds like you're doing an absolutely brilliant job with raising your kids. And I mean, I'm, I think you mentioned earlier, you've got a child that's two, five and seven. So you've kind of have the whole spectrum of up, up to seven. So throughout the journey of, you know, raising your two year old versus your five versus your seven, did you experience any challenges and any kind of rebellion in terms of um, the way you approach nutrition, the way you approach life?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, children, what do they want? What does every human being want? They want autonomy over their choices, right? They want to be able to make no one loves to be controlled, do we? Um, not one <laughs> human being and, and what children are, they're little people. They're not, you yeah. know, the world treats children as if they're incompetent and they need guidance and they need all this stuff. Yeah, they need guidance, but they are so fully capable of making their own choices. Of course, we're not going to put them in danger and say, take a knife and whatever. But it's like, they can, you give them the right information and it's astounding. They'll make the best choices. And if you give them the trust, and if you say like, if you give them the choices and allow them to make it themselves, they'll want to make you proud. But if you actually control them from the beginning, they're going to rebel easier, right? So for our, but our son did go through something. I mean, Matt is seven and he you know, we had, we rescued some chickens from, we rest. They, they were brought to us because they were found in a park and, um, they were laying eggs and we don't eat the eggs. So we fed them back to the chickens and our son, uh, wanted, you know, wanted some eggs. So we actually let him have some of the, we let him, you know, eat the eggs or whatever, because yeah. it was his choice. And what's funny is, what's funny is they always ended up going to get, They he never really, he ate a bit, you know, and it wasn't, uh,
2: and it became more of like, it's, it's, he wanted to try something and because he thought as like, okay, well, the chicken's laying the egg, to him, right? Because yeah. he's different. To, and me so he, he looked at it as the chicken's laying the egg. Okay, well, the egg's not fertilized. He knew that. Um, and you guys are just feeding the eggs back to the chickens. Why can't I have one? Yeah. Right? It's, it's technically not a living thing because it hasn't been fertilized. Like, he wasn't looking at it from the other side of things, but it was like, why can't I try one? Yeah. Like, we don't say, no, you can't try that. It's like, would you like to try it? Like, here the health, here's how what the health says about eggs, so you're aware, right? And here's how it works with the chicken. He's like, I'm still going to try one. I'm like, sure, try it. Yeah. And, like, literally, he, tr- he tried one once and then probably once again, but he more or less just collected them in the fridge. <laughs> it was like. He had those like 24 card holders and he started just filling them in the fridge because it was part of his thing.
1: The other thing too, it's like a way for our children to feel, I don't want to say normal, but like everyone else, because he's, you know, he sees the commercials, he sees other people, he sees his friends uh, eating these things and to them, there's nothing wrong with it. So it's a way for them to feel like they're they're included. Uh, And I don't, we don't want to take that away from them, but the lucky thing is, is, you know, we've been lucky to have them since birth. I can imagine some parents it's a little bit because if they're, they have a 15 year old say and they're going vegan for the first time or nine. Yes, I feel for those parents. I've actually worked with some of those parents and talked to them. There are ways around it, but it's a lot trickier than having children, vegan children from
0: birth. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely Any, It's it's great that, you know, your children have been brought up all the way up to this point. And I mean, for us, it's our daughter um, really starting from from birth, really. So I think I really want to pick up on what you said earlier in terms of speaking to other parents, because some parents may, for example, just have watch what the hell of folks overnight. And all of a sudden they make that switch and then they have a 15 year old child that's going to school eating hamburgers eating kfc and things like that i understand that you know you're fortunate to not be in that position but what would you how would you you know advise a parent coming to you with that dilemma
1: yeah that's a really good question i talk to parents all the time because it's my passion i also taught in the school system the public school system for many many years before i had kids This was one of the reasons that I left it solidified my idea because I could no longer see industry's influence on our children the milk right the 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 they they dictated what was healthy for our children when it just you know and, and no one had any power the administration couldn't really do anything so there was that side of it and what they were feeding the brain too right they feed the body toxic stuff they feed the brain too like just stuff they shouldn't they don't need to learn but to answer your question directly, I would just tell them to watch the documentaries. If they're old enough, watch the documentaries with their children as much as they can take because we don't want to traumatize our children. That's not, um, you know, that's that's counterproductive for us, yeah. but watch the appropriate documentaries. There's so many good ones out there. And also surround yourselves with as many vegan parents as possible. There's great groups out there now. And people like that, it doesn't have to be in our immediate circle, but it can be online. You can have phone conversations and, you know, I used to like offer my time in the past for conversations with parents too, but um, it's a really delicate thing because our children really still should be able to make their own decisions, in my opinion.
2: And and I think a big part of it too is... At at every stage of life, we're all in different places, especially as children, you know, you're going to talk to and relate to a seven-year-old different than a five, different than a 10, different than a 15. Mm. So a lot of it is like, okay, well, understanding where they're at, why they're making the decisions they're making, you know, how can we meet them at that level? And then how can we work through it based on their needs and desires to kind of find, you know, I know you don't want to be like part of the problem in harming animals. Like I, I know that. So like where are you right now? Let's meet in this place and let's find out what that map looks like and let's let's navigate it together and find that solution. Because a lot of times it's they just want to be understood. Right? For so
0: sure. For sure. And and I mean in terms of meeting them where they're at, you mentioned documentaries. So maybe you could just sh- uh, identify or, or recommend, if you say for for kids, I mean, maybe not two year old, uh, maybe like for, for three to four year old, and maybe like a six to eight, and then like a teenager. What what would you recommend? A good entry point uh, for for parents to maybe say, all right, let's 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 have movie night this Saturday or Sunday.
1: Great question. What the health is always a delicate one. If your child, you know, can can and children understand these things from a very early age, we think that they don't. But they yeah. do, and so there's that one, um, you know, Cowspiracy, But depends on the age. The other, the other thing I love are introducing books that are vegan friendly too. And there are movies. There are like, like Charlotte's Web is an incredible vegan friendly book. Um, you know, it shows the love for the pig is the same as the love for a dog or whatever. There are there's a whole list of um, vegan friendly books that we can read to our children and indirectly they'll get the message and then very directly you can tell them, right? Yeah, maybe we can yeah. use in
2: like your resource
0: section, just include a list of those. The
1: ones we've read to our children, we're happy yeah. to give you that list. Yeah, that,
0: that will be, that would be awesome. Um, so I, I guess the, the next thing really is food because as children grow up and for my little girl as well, um, It's about finding healthy but tasty snacks. Um, so what, what do you do for your kids? You know, whether it's your two year old, whether it's your five or seven year old, what kind of recommendations do you have for parents to, to kind of create something that is healthy and yet plant based?
1: Fruit is the best yeah. snack we could give. Like, people wonder. It's like, you know, I mean, our kids don't really eat candy. They they have the occasional lollipop or something if it's organic and color-free. We're very, very strict on dyes in our family and yeah. anything, anything artificial. artificial is so really... we're not, I mean, I would love to say I've been a junk food vegan or whatever, but I can't say that. Yeah. I mean, because there's tasty, it, it's so easy for a vegan these days to go vegan and still have the same taste. But I think companies are doing a big injustice to vegans as well. And I'll just put this out there right now because it's a really strong point for me. If we create vegans that are living on junk food, it's not doing anything for our movement. No. You know, no. because they're going to be unhealthy. They may, may revert back. Their doctors won't be happy. And what the best thing we can do for our movement is to create healthy, thriving vegans, including children, not only in inside health, but outside health, too. I really feel our skin should be glowing you know, our bodies should look good. That's my strong opinion on the matter. um As far as can't like candies or whatever, like there's vegan everything these days. You guys know that there's vegan candies and vegan pastries, and we do indulge sometimes. But I love food as a snack. Yeah,
2: I, I think the keys to avoid as much of that packaged garbage as humanly possible. um Like every day in our house, we're baking or cooking, or there's there's always something happening. So like. We've been juicing since Maddox was, he fell and hurt his teeth at like nine months old. He's our seven-year-old. So we started juicing after he hurt his teeth because he couldn't eat very well. So we started juicing and we've been juicing ever since. Yeah. So our kids every day, like, they'll wake up and they'll see green juice on the table and they'll lose their mind. They'll be green juice! Or they'll see juice and they call it Christmas juice. Or they'll be Christmas juice! And like, every day, it's like hey guys, what do you want to make today? They're like, kale chips. We're like, yeah, let's make kale chips. Like, it's like, hey, we're gonna go to the store. What do you want for a treat? Like pears. Um, because that's what they know.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: but like every day when we cook like treats, it's like, okay, well we make cinnamon buns or we make cookies, hmm. but they're all, you know, they're all vegan of course, or there's no garbage in them. Um, uh, but like But that's like a super treat.
1: We're not. Is having
2: something like that.
1: I want to say, like, I don't want to give off the impression like we're anywhere near perfect. Anywhere near perfect. Like, (laughs) it's such a daily struggle. I really feel for parents. It's like a daily, honest to God, it's a daily struggle, especially when they're older. I can imagine when our son is 10, 12, et cetera. But I really feel if parents can create a foundation right now. No matter yeah. where their children are at, and compassion come from a place of like love and compassion, and tell them, remind them that no matter what they choose, you love them. I know it's a simple thing to remember. They're gonna choose the right thing, and um, snacks can be as simple as a pear and
4: stuff like that. I don't know. Is that does that is that helpful, guys? Oh, for sure, yeah.
0: for sure. So yeah, yeah. So no, it's just,
4: I was just saying it doesn't have to be complicated. I think for even for our meals and everything, people always think. Uh, being vegan is complicated. You need to soak everything two days in advance. No, it's not, you know, totally. Yeah. I'm
1: reading so much.
4: Well, one of the
2: other things is like we around the child thing, we engage them with all of this. So like, it's not one of us standing in the kitchen cooking or baking or it's like, uh, so when we juice, it's like Jude, our two year old sitting on the counter. He usually puts a chair on the counter. You're sitting on that. He is sitting on the counter and then Maddox pulls a chair over to the counter. So it's like, all there's four of us juicing and they all have a little role that they could like do and same as kale chips they all like to mix like there's everyone's always involved so that's, really that's great. great it
0: sounds like a really really cohesive family around the dining table and
1: most of the time yeah that's, that's
0: absolutely brilliant so I, I guess the thing is that like uh I, i'm sure there are families out there and they're, they're not The whole family is cohesive in that sense where, for example, mom's vegan, plant-based, but dad's a huge um, meat eater or maybe a flexitarian. And, you know, there is this kind of internal conflict going on and obviously with their children. So. I'm, I'm not sure whether you've had the experience chatting with, um, parents who are in that scenario. What advice would you So share? yeah, cause Myra has been vegan for eight oh. years and I've been
2: for like three ish and like my struggle was always dairy. So like, I, like meat was never an issue for me. Um, my struggle was always dairy because it was hidden, like it was in everything. And so that was always my struggle. Um, but once I got over that, things were really good, but yeah, um, but yeah, as far as,
1: <laughs> okay. To to? Yeah. But it was never
2: like I was coming home and putting like a steak in the frying pan and being like,
1: <laughs> Josh was always very respectful, right? Yeah. It was more but, like yeah. had
2: cookies with dairy in them. Or
1: something. Yeah. And he was so sweet about it and everything. I think this is, if you guys want to hear the bottom line, what it needs to be for families, mom and dad need to <laughs> appear <laughs> on the same page in front of their children like they, there can't be a divide here because it's really confusing. So as much as I tried, I know sometimes I faltered and I felt like I was being judgmental to Josh. You know? But yeah, I but, but you guys know when you first, when you first turned vegan, you guys know how, like I was almost militant a little bit, like in terms of like when it's like the elephant in the living room, when you see what happens to the cows, how the hell can you unsee that? It's like, so I was really sort of struggling there but then I kept remembering I never spoke badly about Josh or his choices and I don't know where that came from. I think like I learned to follow my intuition that way because it's not natural. You want to say something or whatever but anyway I did that and I feel like our children are better for it today. They're like wow like there's never been really conflict on this issue and dad was was able to make his own decisions and, and his own choices. And, and,
2: and even then like even like prior to three years ago like. We weren't drinking. I wasn't drinking milk and like those things. It was like I had items that had dairy in it. So even like our oldest Maddox, like it, to him, it still didn't look like I was consuming an animal product of right. sorts. So, so like, like,
1: yeah. Sorry. No, no. Keep going. No, but back in the day when you, but years oh ago yeah, you well did years ago, you know, yeah,
2: for
3: sure. Like I first I
1: remember we were yeah, yeah, having for like, sure. Like lasagna with some meat in it or something, just sprinkled in there. It wasn't like a steak. But even mm. when they knew that, it was still very delicate. It wasn't super obvious. I don't yeah. know how to explain it. Does that sure. make sense?
0: Oh, perfect. I think I think really the 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 crux of it is really the for the parents to be, kind of be on the same page at some level to actually. I mean, it, it's all it all comes down to communication, but by having a unified unified message, so that the child's not kind of conflicted like that, saying one thing and mum's saying one thing. So I want to go go back to what you you were saying earlier, Margot, about you working with the school system and school lunch programs. You know what was it back then, and is it actually changing more towards uh, kind of like a plant based slant, a plant forward slant, or is it yeah. still?
1: <laughs> oh my, it like uh, okay. So Canada Food Guide, as you guys know, do did you hear about this? Yeah, they recently changed, and it's mad. It's amazing because to our school systems it's an institution and it's a place where they have like the government has a lot of clout right so this has been quoted a lot now in terms of like teachers and whatever like going on i'm not in the system anymore thank goodness but i do have my colleagues i remember like having these discussions canada food guy was very heavily you know heavily influenced it was meat and dairy and all this other stuff um so some i know that like In some parts of the world, like California, right there's there's a beautiful school. I think it's called Muse, and it's a it's it's all vegan, and it's a great example. I know BC is starting to do this in a lot of their schools, totally plant based for the most part. The states, you know, New York even had like their mayor or something just announced a meatless day at the school just to begin this plant based discussion. Things are happening, so I don't. I don't want to focus on my local area here because no, things are not happening as quickly. Um, I don't. You know, you're from Montreal, Emily, but I'm from New Brunswick, Fredericton, New Brunswick, and it's it takes it's light years behind,
4: um, you know, Vancouver. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, like regions. Like my mom comes from Montmagny, which is like northern of Quebec. Like it's, and when we went there a few years ago, like just having soy milk to put in our coffee, they were like.
3: What is that? Stunned.
1: It's really such a huge disconnect, and what they're doing, you know, what the health is a great one. Uh, there's some documentaries that I'm planning to show at schools. So I'm planning to go next year and have huge presentations at schools. Given my background as a teacher, I feel like I can do that. But but I was saying, like showing documentaries that show and highlight and are credible, and doctors are talking about how. Um, we're giving our children things that are carcinogenic, that have been proven carcinogenic, that's going to be the key for parents to petition behind us and change
2: And that's part of our conversation even with parents that we, yeah. we meet when they're, when that the dilemma where it's like, one spouse is vegan and the other spouse isn't vegan, it becomes more of like, yeah. why aren't you vegan? Like, you know, a typical man, a lot of it's like, oh, I need protein and I need to like, face around my idiot friends and I need to do all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons. I should be saying, wow, like my priority here should be my spouse and my children. And what's the best thing for them from a health perspective? You know, it's not eating eggs, it's not eating meat, it's not consuming dairy. It's not eating deep fried chicken. You know, those things are killing your family. So, you know, take animals out of it for a minute and just say, hey, it's has here for a long time. Yes or not? Yes. Yeah. OK, well, then get that crap out of your life. Yeah.
1: I like and you guys know that the issue really is uh comes down to what's available to us for science because right now what's happening is the the only true pure science i mean if you really look at the science and the current information eggs are not healthy dairy's not healthy but then what happens is um the big big dairy industries start funding uh, even you know they're very industry driven industry funded research that proves the opposite so for us it becomes so confusing for parents and for for people in general when there's conflicting information eggs go back and forth eggs are healthy one year next year they're not and so um i'm asking parents to use common sense as well you know if you think it, these are things from other species these are secretions and products that come from not to get too graphic but it's from the chicken's butthole like do we really need to eat this stuff to make us healthy i mean you know, our apes brothers and sisters didn't need this stuff for protein and to be strong if you go way back before paleo, before all of it, you know, it's just common sense and you'll discover that the research the research is on our side. So I don't know. Really yeah. they're killing our children. So
0: I think I mean yeah I agree with that because the breadth of evidence, however way you look at it, is on a plant-based side, being on on the health front for longevity for well right now even moving towards athletic performance so that's that's absolutely brilliant shifting gears yeah, I know you guys are also into toxic free living because you mentioned about carcinogenic substances in terms of our food so I'd like to shift gears into um, toxicity and environmental toxicity because I yep. know you both are founders of the world's best deodorant so <laughs> so definitely I want to get into that but but I have, I've read somewhere that babies these days are actually born pre-polluted. Could you explain why that is the case?
1: Yes, definitely. I've heard of that. Uh, do you want me to start on this topic? Well, you start on the baby yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I've read so much about this, and actually, my—I um, mean, I have some incredible people in my life that I really value as physicians and people who have studied the actual health versus the you know industry-driven stuff. Um, it's really hard these days. I want to stay very evidence-based. So when we mention toxins, sometimes that's a word that could mean, you know, unscientific or whatever. I assure you that there are studies replicatable and rep, you know, studies that have been duplicated on everything that I talk about. Um, like it's crazy, actually the, the, the umbilical cord thing, the study that was done there, what it's, it's generational even not even what the mother uses. It could be what the grandparents have used on their bodies, what the grandparents have eaten, that, ha- and, and further than that, great grandparents, what they pass on to their parent, to their children, then pass on to us, then pass on to our children. And there's hope though. There's hope because we can change it today. Like we can actually, you know, eliminate a lot of that. He's a allowed, he allowed okay. I'm gonna bring my, my baby in. Oh. Please do,
0: please do. <laughs> It's a family show.
1: Welcome <laughs> to It's our third vegan baby. so
2: yeah, Going strong. He might climb up on the table and jump <laughs> off.
4: We're two, years, we're two years in and going strong as well with breastfeeding here too. Oh,
2: good.
3: So <laughs> yes.
4: I'm very proud.
2: You should be so
1: proud. You
4: should be. I mean,
1: that's a really huge topic too, because that's all the milk that our babies need, right? Yeah. They don't have was
2: yeah, our five year old just me.
1: Yeah, so we, 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 uh, what do you call Self wean, like you know, uh, baby led wean. So my children were basically around four, four and a half when they stopped nursing. Yeah, just, yeah naturally, yeah, yeah.
3: Anyway, when, when race, so. oh, that could
4: be that could be just the, the topic of I'm very passionate about it. That could be the topic of uh, of a next. Oh, yeah, I think so. You <laughs> should do that, well, definitely. I, may I just add something to that though? Of course, you, can, you know, edit it, of course, whatever you of need course.
1: to do, but. This is the reason that, I mean, when I first went vegan, this is actually what I thought of. I knew I was going to nurse and then I made the connection between the cow and the calf. And then I thought, imagine this baby being literally the next day after birth taken from me and fed artificial stuff and my milk sold. So this is the topic that actually made me go vegan and I think mothers once they realize where their milk comes from they're going to know it comes from a grieving mother and a grieving baby and that is the that is a big one and I think you know as an activist (laughs) I do gently very gently mention this to mothers uh and meet them where they're at sometimes sometimes I can be a little bit harsh about it but I just it's so powerful because that milk is not for us um and so anyway and the nursing thing like And and babies don't need any other milk after weaning, by the way. Nothing. You you can give them the almond milk or whatever, but they really just need our perfectly designed fluid. You don't need
2: cow's milk, goat's milk. No.
4: I'm the same. I'm the same in a sense like uh, breastfeeding has brought back, like obviously I've been vegan for seven years and it brought back all the passion and uh, the ethics to me. I'm, I'm much more of a passionate vegan since, you know, uh, bringing a child into this world and breastfeeding, because yes, I've made that same connection. And I feel so grateful to be able to mother my child. But you know, I can see that mummy chickens and, and cows do not have that, that, that same chance. So yeah, it made me much more passionate.
3: You guys are awesome.
1: You're awesome. And you know, you know what's crazy, guys, that I thought about this the other day? Pigs, okay, pigs, you know, we, all mothers produce milk, but the cow happened to be the unlucky one because it produces a lot. Of it. Yeah. And we could have chosen chihuahua milk or whatever. You know, it's true. It's really gross to think, you know, any milk, but the poor cow was unfortunate enough to be chosen for humans to be able to milk.
2: And it's been generations of people being conditioned to believe that drinking cow's milk is normal right so like we're we're breaking generations of conditioning here right it's not it's like mass conditioning for generations because it's business right it's not that it's ever been healthy ever it's business right it's big, dirty corporate business um so yeah and it's so back to the toxin thing before we had kids we kind of got on that um toxin-free living bandwagon. We even had a blog and Margot had about 400 cited articles that she would written on that blog um, called Naturally Down to Earth. We don't have it anymore. Um, but it was before kids and we got to a point where like Margot was having migraines every day and just not feeling well every day, I'm literally going to the hospital once a week, um, just trying to figure out what was going on. And I had developed a little lump in my chest at the time and we were just like, <laughs> yeah. okay, we had to clean our life up. Um, so this was like nine years ago, probably. So we, at that point, we we're like, okay, well, let's start cleaning our life up. What do we need to do? Okay, well, we got to start cleaning up our food. We got to, then we start going down the bunny hole, right? And then it's like, holy cow! Like everything is so toxic. Like so, everything in our life changed from the clothing we bought to the bed we slept even on, even the mattress. Right. So like you know, all of our cleaning products, everything changed. Um, so, and we kind of follow that lifestyle up until now and just, you just always improve on it. But like a couple of books that really helped us. One was, um, Pure Cure, Cure, which is probably one of the best ones out there. Um, and, uh, Equiholic Body, Equiholic Home, they're great books as well. They're Canadian. Um, but like once you, once you realize these things, it is really hard to go back.
1: Raising Baby Grain is a good one by oh, Dr. Dr. Alan one. Green and um, so what have the umbilical cord thing is really tragic because our babies like they get it through the breast milk they get it through our bodies everything we put eat and put on our body and breathe basically yeah. and there's some good like environmentalworkinggroup.org ewg.org because is a great resource if parents want to look up some ingredients you know they look it up in there and they'll give you a level of, of how toxic it actually is uh, all based on science Yeah. and I know you mentioned toys once to me too. Um, that's so our toys at home again, I don't want to sound like we're trying to be perfect here, but once we discover, once a parent discovers these things, I think it's our duty to protect the next generation. Yeah. So our toys at home are all wooden and natural with natural paints. Yeah. Um, plastic, even though, you know, they've in Canada, even though most things are made uh, overseas, they're, they you know they they may not contain the lead, but they still contain PVC, BPA, uh, phthalates. You know they still contain all the other toxins. They've taken out one, but they have all this like cadmium. The list is really long. You're buying from places like the dollar store or you know certain stores. Everything, everything is toxic.
2: There's even a deeper problem than just like plastic. It's because they've developed everything consumers to society where things just get broken and replaced, broken and replaced, broken and replaced. Not enough to be more toys, be more toys this. And like it's so backwards thinking. Like again, we are not perfect at all. Um, but it's like kids don't need a million toys. They need their parents, right? And they need toys that engage them and make them think. And like our house so it makes it hard, it's like food. Okay, well we know eating cows are not good for us, but why are we still doing it? Okay, we know plastic toys are not good for us, and why are we still giving them to our kids? A lot of it's societal norms. But like, all of our stuff is like, our kids' favorite toys that they own are some maple wooden blocks. We had a maple tree fall down in our yard, and we cut it into blocks. Um, and that, they've used that since yeah, Olivia years. was born. And it's still probably there every day they still use those. We just
1: stack them Um, and they'll build... um... And like you
2: can buy that stuff online, but we just have to make ours. And like wooden trucks that we've had since the very beginning used every day. Um, And like we'll go to the mill and we'll buy like, they have scrap lumber, random pieces of 2 by 4s and 4 by 4s and all these different things. We'll buy huge bundles of it and bring it home. And they'll use it for one or two months. And then we'll burn it in our fireplace. But and then we'll replace it with more because it's we bought it as kindling, um, but they'll use these random pieces of wood for months as roads and bridges and towers and buildings and it's they're yeah. always thinking and then as they're building they want to go taller and it's they have to start engineering at this point. So it's not like a pink dollhouse house that was made for girls and it's like the Barbie sits on the chair that's already there. It's like no, no, no. You can build any type of structure you want. It's gender neutral. And your people can, or your animals can yeah. sit anywhere or do anything. So that's the other
1: thing. We've raised them very gender neutral. In other words, all toys are for all children, if it's a boy, girl, whatever. And that's hard in our society too because there's very distinct sections in a play, you know, in a toy store or whatever. The other thing, what Josh said, I love it because open ended, imaginative play, it's if toys these days are created to numb the child's imagination, the noise and the bells and the whistles just. To just to entertain them and to keep them occupied. And that's really not why we have children, you know, in my opinion. And so we want toys that just fosters creativity. So that's mm-hmm. the beauty of going toxic-free, is you're going to find that the toys are more natural and they're more simple.
3: Yes. So indeed. You know, like, yeah, they
4: don't toys. have batteries. And... Yeah, yeah no, crazy. No,
2: so our seven-year-old um, is affected <laughs> by different types of chemicals. And you'll notice it like that. Um, so yeah. if Maddox, yeah. if he... Like ingests any type of color, artificial color, for example. He literally goes from the sweetest, most compassionate, loving child in the universe to a total lunatic. No, <laughs> not kidding. like it's like, where did my son just go? It's literally like,
3: because
2: yeah. there's people in our life who are like, oh, do you want this? And we weren't like right there. Oh, okay, I'll try that. Um, and. Anyways, it is a light switch. Uh, so, and it's it's the same as like if if you did get something at like a dollar store, or some junky piece of plastic that stinks. Just him in, uh, inhaling those fumes sets him off. Yeah, um,
1: we suspect so. he is on the spectrum. You know, somewhere like that. And so, for parents hearing it that are do have children on, you know, on there or worried about sensitivities, keeping keeping color and these toxins as you mentioned from toys away from them It may sound crazy when you first hear it but trust us like this actually works everyone wants their kids to feel better well the whole idea of of having toxins in their bodies right they're very um the other thing that i'm i'm reading so much so much good research lately on mental health right mental health but also physical health
0: for parents that uh starting into this whole toxic free lifestyle and they just heard this and like, Oh my goodness, uh, toxicity, environmental toxicity, food. What's the first thing that they can do to just kind of start easing themselves into a more cleaner life lifestyle or cleaner environment at home?
1: Yeah. There's a few things.
0: Yeah. You can start anywhere. It's like for us, it was
2: our personality is Once you go down the bunny hole, there's no coming back. It's like, okay, um and like i'm not a scientist i'm the furthest thing from a scientist i will read information and consume it and not just like sally Mae write an article about how beds are toxic no 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 we'll go on like PubMed and PubMed. you'll be like wow look at all these research fact articles on how dangerous beds are mm-hmm. um and it'll be like okay i can't unknow that and i can't go sleep yeah. in my bed now um so it was like okay we need to get a bed i think yeah. for a lot of people it is like maybe just pick up like pure cure or read like Eagle home or yeah. raising baby Green. Or, you know, start there and start with like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to just use organic cotton and I'm going to get rid of all the cleaners in my house for yeah. instance. Yeah. And, you know, maybe start getting rid of not like take all your kids' plastic toys and throw them in the garbage, but take all your kids' plastic toys throw them in the garbage and take them to get some new toys, um, yeah. <laughs> some wooden toys. Or, um, or, you know, or donate the toys or yeah. something.
1: Um, yeah, I think if they have children, that's probably the easiest way to start. I would start with the children and what they're touching. So,
2: But yeah, um, it would just literally be. But food is
1: another important one, too, because we're actually ingesting it. So there's, yeah. you know, I would stay away from the packaged stuff and all that. But uh, it's so overwhelming because, you know, especially when you're going vegan, there's very, people find limited choices. So I want everyone to give themselves a break, too. Yeah. I don't want anyone to feel super pressure and and exhausted you know how we felt yeah and look
2: at it as like we look at it as generational change like all the decisions we make today are not only for us but i look at it and say how can we set our kids up how can we set our kids up to be five thousand steps further ahead in life than we were so it's like okay well as a parent listen if you just take one step today and maybe it's you got rid of all the toxic cleaners in your house which Mm -hmm. is an easy one to do um that's taking one step in an amazing direction. And we're teaching our kids that typical cleaners are bad and natural cleaners would be just as good a job and they'll keep you safe. So, and then it's like, well, maybe next month you do one more step. Maybe it's like, Hey, you know what? We need new sheets for our bed. We don't just throw everything yeah. in the garbage because that's wasteful. But like, say, okay, well, this time, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to find these types of sheets, right? Because there's no pesticides in those ones, and that's what we're going to use.
1: At the very least, if it gets expensive, at the very least, go to the local, uh, ours is Kijiji, but like secondhand online, you know, where where people are selling secondhand. A secondhand bed that's a few years old is much safer than a brand new bed that's off-gassing. When you, you know, if you think about that new bed smell or the new toy smell, or the new, whatever, car smell, what you're smelling is actually a toxic of of chemicals that really should have no uh, business in the human body, and disease is proving it, right? Oh, these things are
2: cancer and dementia, ADHD, and it's like, the list just goes on and on and on, and it's like, okay, well, you know, the very worst if your bed is like fairly new, and I know beds are super expensive, um, just get a, a wool mattress topper and start with that, yeah. right? Like get a wool mattress topper. That's a great place to start.
1: A secondhand wool. See your dot. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like I find thrift stores are great for getting wool blankets. We have like 20 wool blankets and for a long time, we just have them stacked on our bed over the top of the bed. Yeah. And when we travel, um, we usually bring, uh, one or two with us to put on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So- so this is another reason why where mom is a little bit like it's different right now because I, I don't buy even secondhand wool but but Joshua still does which yeah. is awesome I, buy, right? I still it's buy normal.
2: secondhand wool um, because yeah. it's flame retardant yeah it's warm yeah. It, it's all of those things They won't buy new wool the essential um,
3: too the essential
2: um, but it's for for
0: me it's you know it's I mean, it's from a thrift shop and I I'm, I'm willing to do that
3: people are <laughs>
0: I, I love it. I think it's just about just starting where you're at, like you mentioned earlier, it's just it could just be the cleanest, it could just be your food, but just start somewhere and really just kind of keep it simple versus looking at it as it's a whole, too much, too, much, like too much to actually do. So just some lasting words of inspiration for parents out there who want the best for their children, their families. journey the
1: first and foremost that in my mind that always comes back is that compassion and love piece right like show the children that no matter what they do say it's true right no matter what your children do or say or 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 do i guess in the world we're still going to love them they still have a warm happy comfortable place to come back to um since we're world travelers we also show our children that really we are where home is it's not necessarily a physical house or location um in terms of the whole food thing we want to show them why like you said earlier luke you said um we lead by example it's not always what you say right it's like if we're eating this way and mom and dad look and feel great that's another important thing mom and dad have to mom and dad can't be tired and sickly on the couch no
2: our kids our kids see us go to the gym every day they see us do stuff every day they see the food like so you know, they naturally just want to do it, it's not like, well, like go outside and run, it's like, oh well, my dad, go outside and run every day, it's like, I want to do that.
1: Yeah, um, so you can tell them all you want, but if you're doing it yourself, like if we're biking, they're going to bike, right? Yeah. So, so I think that's a great place to add, you know, we bike first, you know, foods that we want them to eat, and the activities we want them to do.
2: And it's the only thing, it's a journey, and don't, don't beat yourself up. You know, we look at everything and it's like, you're either getting better or worse, you're not staying in the middle, right? It's like If we're always taking baby steps in the right direction, you know, at some point, our life's going to be significantly better. It might not be today, but as long as we're taking baby steps in the right direction, you know,
0: it's going to change. I love it. Love it very much. Well, thank you very much for your time, um, Josh and Margot.
1: Um, By the way, what you're doing is all awesome too and um, families
0: are really lucky to have your information. Totally. Thank you. My, my. This conversation really opened up my mind to so much. Emily and I were looking at each other and thinking, OMG, there's so much we need to improve on in our lives. But as with anything, it's about that first step. We got the plant-based diet and non-toxic home cleaners down pat. Maybe next is organic bed sheets. So where are you on your toxic free journey? Do share some tips and resources too on socials. Well, I guess that's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate you taking time out to listen in. If you like more information on what was shared on this episode or want to know how to connect with Joshua or Margo, visit awakemethod.com podcast. Beyond that, If you think anyone could benefit from listening to this, do share it with them. That's me signing off for now. Until next time, live once, eat plants. See you.